I'm Josh Toll. And I'm Brett Roberts. Welcome to Haptocast. What's up, everybody? This is Hapticast episode 6. This is Haptic Intel's podcast where we talk about video games and other things that tickle our testicles. I'm Josh Toll. This is Brett Roberts. And welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. What's up? <clears throat> the sky. So where are we right My now? My ceiling. This is important. We need to, This is new. Where are we? We are filming College Cast episode 1 mm-hmm. at my school. I have an RA, for those of you that don't know. And what does that mean? For those that don't know what that means. It means that I am a resident assistant, so I assist resident students with things that they may need, um, being, you know, academic-wise, or if they need help with something socially. I also am an official of the college. I go to Chestnut Hill College, um, and I have to enforce college policies such as, well, my school is a dry campus, so there's no drinking, Um, you know, marijuana, things that are legal. To kind of stupid stuff like being too loud after a certain time. So, a lot of fun. So, why are we here? Oh, we're here because I am on duty this weekend and I can't leave the campus. So, we're filming in my dorm room. I would love to, if we could have used, you can't see this, but there's a whole wall of comics in my room. Comics everywhere. Star Wars everywhere. My Kylo Ren bobblehead. Which, by the way, what are bobbleheads? They're fun. That's all. Like, have you ever thought of, like, who thought of this? Like, who was like, let's let's create this toy, right? An oversized head. With an oversized head that bobbles around on a small body. Someone thought that was a genius idea, I'm sure. And that's... Oh, it's not the stupidest thing. Well... Definitely not, but... The most stupid thing that ever existed. Because, look, it's like... <laughs> They're like, yeah, you know what would be so funny? Let's make a mold of John in accounting, and we'll take <laughs> we'll take his body, and we'll make it really small, but his head, we'll leave it really big, and we'll make it so it moves around when you touch it. That's what they said. Okay. And then the boss was like, I love it. Do it. Market it. Let's go. It's good. Yeah. He's, uh, the only thing I, uh, oh, no, this is fine. Oh, it's my other, it's that one that I don't like, the, uh, the Hasbro replacement thing. Oh, yes. But I don't like the the Kylo Ren's lightsaber on it. It's kind of... I don't like it either. I have it. Yeah. So I'm not a fan. So. Anyway, let's begin how we always do by talking about the games that we are playing. Ooh. Bert. I didn't even anticipate this. I... Just do it every week. I know. I forgot because we have so many things we're doing this week. Oh, by the way, Steven's not with us this week. Bless you, Steven. Yeah. We're thinking about you. You're with us. Always. So, games we're playing. I am playing Sword Art Online. For the PlayStation 4, it's a port of the Vita game. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It was five bucks on sale, Hasbro sale. So, or is it Namco Bandai? It's Namco Bandai. You said Hasbro, I thought. Yeah. Namco Bandai. Hasbro makes video games now. Yes. They're merging with Mattel. Well, they, they make like the Monopoly games and like mm-hmm. Family Game Night, yeah. stuff like that. So they do make video games. They do. Fuck you. But based off of board games. Fuck you. Okay. So, Sword Art Online, uh, it's pretty good. If you watch the anime, it's good. If you don't watch the anime, don't get it. It's bad. I watch the anime. I like the anime, so I like it. I'm going to get it. Good. I will. Five bucks. Yeah, that's true. There's multiplayer, right? Yeah, co-op. Done, done deal. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, Uncharted. Mm. Got the Uncharted collection, and I just platinumed Uncharted 1, which we'll talk about later today uh, on the show. So get ready for that. 
And uh, I know what it is now. Josh doesn't quite like Uncharted, so we're going to have a nice discussion about that. But I'm going to move on to Uncharted 2 this weekend, um, probably tonight or tomorrow night. I'm going to platinum that. And Sound Shapes, I'm trying to get the platinum on that too. That's tough. It's, it's tough. I played some of the levels that you're having a problem with. Fuck that. Death, I think it's called Death Mode. It's not fun. All right. What are you playing? I have been playing all week Bloodborne again. Hmm. I picked up the DLC, The Old Hunters. I started it. Yeah. That's it? It's hard. That's what you got to say? It's just hard? Is yeah. it good? No, it's good. And I forgot how, like... I don't know. The first time I played through Bloodborne, it was like... I Like, it clicked with me mm-hmm. after a while. It did, because in the beginning, I was just furious. I was, like, finished. Mm-hmm. I was so bad at the game, because I never played Souls game before. But then eventually, you know, like, you work your way through it, and it, it just clicks, and then it works. You know yeah, what I mean? Of course. But I still wouldn't say that I was really that good at the game. There's a lot of bosses that I couldn't beat by myself. But now I'm playing it again, right? And I just... The DLC area, I got to the first boss, and I was like, no way. I am not ready for that. It's way too hard. So I'm going back and playing through the game. The main story. Yeah. And if you don't know, to access the DLC, it's right after you beat by Car Amelia. Mm-hmm. And then, um, um, an um, amygdala, whatever, great one thing, picks you up mm-hmm. in the Cathedral Ward out in like that little circular graveyard area. Yes. Um, and that's how you access this. But I couldn't, there was no way. I didn't even want to try. So I went back and I started playing through the game. I just beat, um, the Celestial Emissary, and I'm on a Retox right now, which are two optional bosses that I didn't actually beat my first time through. Yeah. But um, I'm doing a lot better this time through. Like, yeah. I haven't had really that much trouble with the bosses. Um, I beat one that was big for me, even though, I mean, looking back and now, she's really not that hard, but the Bloodstar Beast, mm. could never beat him, ever, by myself. Uh, yeah, I want to say, based on simply what I've seen alone from being here with you while you're playing... Comparing it to your gameplay when we had the Let's Play series up on YouTube, mm-hmm. it's improved vastly. Somehow, something must have clicked again, and now you have it, and you have yeah. you know what you got to do now. And it's funny because I had problems with Celestial Emissary, the hardest boss in the game. But yeah, I can go beat easiest. The, boss I, yeah, that's what I meant. But I can go beat you know the Bloodstar Beast with one blood vial. First try. <laughs> First try. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I've been, I I witnessed so, it, and it was really cool. Um, this is kind of like. I don't know. There's people out there that I'm sure most people probably don't have as much of a hard time with like Bloodborne and Souls games as I do. But like Dark Souls 2, I'm trying to play through that. And it's, it wasn't working for me. Like I, I was trying magic and I tried to, it just wasn't working with me. And I was pissed off and I was done with it. But then last night you said, hey, try this. And I picked the night, I think it was. Yeah. And it was fine. I had, it was fine. Yeah, our friends told you that if you played as mad a magic user, the game would be a lot easier. So yeah. you did that, and the game wasn't easier because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and that's the problem. So, so it, it's it just it, it's working. Yeah, I knew that once it clicked, once Bloodborne completely clicked, and you were beating bosses your first try, I was like, Dark Souls is gonna be the yeah. same way. You just have to pick the right class. And I, it's not like I was really grinding either at that beginning part. I was just going through and beating bosses to kind of level up a little bit. But when I was fighting the bosses, I was still like pretty much pleb tier. I didn't really level up. When I beat the Bloodstar Beast, I probably only leveled up like once or twice I gotcha. by that point. So, but it was good. And then even the um, the Dark Beast Parle fight, mm. who he's he, he's not really, I wouldn't call him super hard, but it's not an easy fight. Yeah, his movements are very weird. It's yeah. kind of hard to predict where and, he's going to go. And it's hard to hit him sometimes when you're up on him. Yeah. But I don't like, it was a weird experience when I was playing that again, right? 
and I just eventually something clicked and it was almost like this is gonna sound really fucking stupid but like a dance mm. like I felt the flow of, of the course. fight was, yeah. he would like come in stretch back I go in and then it was like just mm-hmm. back and forth and it was moving and then I was like this is fucking perfect because yeah. I'm going in and it was just it worked no that's not stupid at all because that's exactly what it is it's like a it's like a duet you have to do with these bosses where they'll move one way and you have to back up and go the other way and it's like the same kind of thing you know so not so, not dumb at all it was good and um, the DLC area um, is called Hunter's Nightmare. Mm, I witnessed it a little bit too. Yeah, it's pretty much every enemy in the area is a hunter. And they have some really OP weapons. Yeah. Which, I mean, I have them all now, but there's this one thing that I would kind of compare to the cane, but like a fucking beefy cane. Mm. Like a beefy fucking cane. And the whip, the reach on it, forget about it. Forget about it. The beefy whip. Beefy whip is what I'm calling it. Um, but yeah, I've literally been playing Bloodborne all week, nonstop, constantly. I jumped into Rocket League a few times with you, that's about it. Yeah. Alright. Alright. Sounds good. Sounds like something's tickling my testicles. Yeah. And that is the Doom trailer. Oh, segue. You didn't expect yeah. that. Um, so, last week, by the time this is up, the Doom trailer came out. Uh, Slick got a release date, May 13th. This is the fourth installment in the Doom series, and the story is being described as this. The Union Aerospace Corporation's massive research facility on Mars is overwhelmed by fierce, powerful demons. You're a lone Doom Marine that's been activated to kill them all. It's coming out on PS4, PC, and Xbox One, being published by Bethesda and developed by ID Software. It looks good. That trailer was slick. Mm. I agree. I watched it with you. And it reminded me of how much I enjoyed the trailer we saw at E3. It's just, it's going to be stupid, brutal, over-the-top action fun. Definitely. Just like uh, Wolfenstein. It's a lot like Wolfenstein. Where literally, it's just shoot them up, fuck everything, and it's fun, and it works. The story doesn't need to, be, need to be deep. The characters don't need to be deep, even though in Wolfenstein, it was written really well. And you actually were invested in the characters. Like, that game was written so well, like, you literally have one dialogue scene with a character where they could only have a few lines, and you're like, okay, yes, I get what that character is, I understand why they're there, what they're doing, and what they want to do. Okay. And I'm not saying Doom's going to be like that at all. No. I just think it's just going to be crazy, stupid, over the top. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot less dialogue in this game, Doom. Uh, yeah. Simply because we haven't seen anyone else but yourself, you know what I mean? Like, you're right. by yourself with these demons, mm-hmm. so who else would you talk to? Like, who else is there, you know? Who knows? I mean... It's not a problem. No. Not at all. It's fine with me. Yeah. And then also it's going to have multiplayer. The, the trailer was for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be multiplayer, which I actually got into the alpha, but I couldn't access the servers when they were up, unfortunately. So I don't really... I mean, I'm sure it was fine. I, I'm yeah. not concerned with that game. That's at E3, they came out and they showed it and I was sold immediately. Let's, let's talk about the multiplayer then. So from what we saw last night, first thing I said was, reminds me of Halo. Yeah. Looks like Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad thing. I'm not a fan of Halo, but I'm not against it either. Right. You know? Looks like Halo. Um, the power-ups were cool. How you get the the bigger weapons are power-ups, like the rocket right. launchers and whatnot. Um, anything else you want to add? I have something else I, I can say. I mean, the... Um, I, I don't think there's nothing, necessarily anything wrong with it. I actually think it kind of works in games. I think it worked for Battlefront for me. The power-ups? Yeah, yeah, the power-ups as far as, like, some bigger weapons and even vehicles sometimes are fine. But um, I also like the, uh, you know, the aspect of the demon or whatever being a power-up. Mm, yes. I think it's it's more balanced that mm-hmm. way. 
Yeah, I agree. The one thing I don't like about Battlefront is the vehicles being power-ups, but that's that's I don't mind the weapons being mm-hmm. power-ups and becoming a Jedi or a Sith Lord or whatever yeah. you can be in that game. Those being power-ups, that's fine too. But at the same time, they should make it so you can't camp it. Yeah, on, you know? true. So we're going to have to wait and see how that actually is, if they have multiple spawn points, if, you know. Well, it should have multiple spawn points. There should probably be some kind of timer on it. So it doesn't, if it's sitting there for a while, you know what I mean? People can't camp it and then kill people that are coming to it. Yeah. And that it, like, alternates in positions if no one picks it up. Also, I noticed in some multiplayer stuff that we saw that after, if the timer's not up on how long you're the beast or you don't get killed, mm-hmm. and then or you die or something... I think there's a timer on it. Then when you die, the power up drops, and somebody else can pick oh, it up as well. Interesting. They didn't say anything about it, but that's what it looked like mm-hmm. to me. I gotcha. Um, and then there's also the snap map mm. feature, which they also showed off at E3, which looks slick. So basically, you can you can create your own multiplayer maps and immediately just share them with people. Yeah. And it's just they showed it. It was really fluid, and it just it worked. It was kind of like Forge, but better. Yeah, and it's gonna be cool to download other people's maps because there's some creative people out there, and yeah. They can make some like rec- like recreations of maybe mm-hmm. famous maps from Call of Duty or Halo yeah. in Doom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. old Doom games. Yeah, that's true. Um, one more thing I wanted to point out: the the one weapon or the equipment that the one character was using, he threw it out and then he could teleport back to that oh, location. Oh, yeah, like the the portal. Yeah. yeah, and it was cool because like an enemy would spawn. He, the enemy would be like walking up stairway towards the main character or you. And you would throw this thing behind that character, you teleport behind them. Yeah, and then kill them. And then kill the fuck out of them. Yeah. And that was slick. It was slick. It's, games like this work, and there's not as many games being developed that are just fun. There's a lot of emphasis, and not that there's anything wrong with it, we all like a good story and narrative, but there's a lot of emphasis putting on story and narrative, and actual like complicated or more difficult gameplay, or like puzzle solving and stuff now, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of developers can't just sit back and be like, you know what? fuck it let's just make a game that's just fun don't worry about the story just go ahead and go balls to the wall shoot them up fuck it definitely um not that i don't i'm gonna say this and it's not that i don't want the game to have a story because i do but there's certain games that i go back and i'm like i want to play this game because killing is, and this sounds fucked up too but just fucking up the enemies and killing them yeah is fun yeah and some of them have good stories with them, but like games that come to mind, I tried Splatterhouse, the PS3 and Xbox 360 game, wow. and that was that was literally a remake of an older game, kind of like Doom, and you know, mm-hmm. and you would literally just take dudes and like rip them in half. Yeah. And although it's like fucked up because you're killing all these things, it's like fun as shit. Yeah. Uh, my one of my favorite games of all time is Shadows of the Damned, and yeah. just headshotting these dudes and watching their brains explode is fucking awesome. Yeah. So I really think that I can get behind Doom. Well, it's awesome because. I, like you said, like ripping people apart, it looks like that's so fluid, like a fluid mechanic in the game. Yeah. And even the end of the the, the um, single player trail that we saw, you get pounded on by this huge fucking creature, which I actually think we saw in the trailer at E3. Yeah, it so. looks like the, the same creature, and he grabs both of your legs and rips them off, and that's how the trailer ends. And I, that was just. It's also just really cool to see. I mean, I didn't play Doom as a kid. I don't. I have no experience with Doom except for the engine and like. I've played games like Doom, like maybe the old Wolfenstein I played a couple of times, which is the same engine right. or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, I, but it's really cool to see some of the enemies that are well-known, like the big eyeball thing. It's like a giant ball with a giant green eyeball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like seeing that in the new game is so cool because of how graphics have come, you know what right. I mean? And uh, even the big bulky demon thing, mm-hmm. like that's from the old game and it's just fucking cool to see it. 
they have a they have a really nice solid engine. You can tell. I mean, it's mm. fucking sixty frames per second, ten eighty p to the fucking max. Yeah, it's nice. You can tell, yeah. and it, it just it's smooth and it's nice. Mm-hmm. So there's not obviously we can't say exactly how it's running. I mean, it looks like it's good if it's mm. like actual gameplay, but like we don't know if it's going to be that smooth. But there's something to be said and credit given where credits due about the engine. Definitely. I want to point out, I think that the multiplayer gameplay we did see is actual gameplay. Yeah, I think so, too. So, the fluid, the fluidity of that is probably... Yeah. And Wolfenstein ran impeccably. I didn't have any problems with that game, looking back. Yeah, speaking of Wolfenstein, and I mentioned this like a couple seconds ago or whatever, but the fact that games like Wolfenstein, Shadow Warrior, and Doom all ran on like the same style of engine back... You know, the first, first-person shooter games. Right. That style of game... Seeing how they're all getting these re- like reboots, and Shadow Warrior is getting a sequel coming soon, and it's co-op with your friends, and it looks pretty slick. Um, Wolfenstein obviously had the New Order and the Old Blood DLC come out, and now Doom's getting the same treatment. And you can even like just the style of the graphics alone, they're doing a great job of recreating mm-hmm. these games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they look very similar. They play. I don't know if they play very similar, but they're good. I agree, and I'm excited. Me too, because I love Shadow Warrior. You loved Wolfenstein. I like Shadow Warrior too. You do as well. I never. Played I, have, it. I haven't beat it yet, but I'm. I will. I'll go back. I also haven't beaten it, so I'll go back to it because they're making another one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, maybe we should instead of moving on to what we were going to, mm-hmm. since we're talking about multiplayer games. Okay, maybe we should talk about the topic that you wanted to bring up. What's the topic I want to bring? Up? Multiplayer experience. You caught me off guard there. Sorry, I didn't see it on your paper here. I, I didn't know we were going to yeah. talk about it. It's over here. But let's do it. So I think it's good to just talk about multiplayer. Yeah. This is something I wanted to bring up because I was thinking about the other day. Um, I, I was really late at night. I was up and I was just reflecting on the past. And one of the things I was thinking about and I think about often is my first multiplayer video game experience. Now, us being the age we are and growing up in the age we did, we kind of, we grew up as technology evolved. Like mm-hmm. when we were children... What did we get? Our first computers. And that was when computers like first came out. Uh, home computers. Right. And like consoles, we were there for the peak of console gaming and whatnot. And online games, we were there when they became popular. Right. And I might have, I did come into it a little bit later, being 20 and you're what, 22? You're going to be? Yeah. So you have a little more experience than I do, but let's talk about our multiplayer gaming experiences. First time. Go ahead. You go first. My first one. And it wasn't. It's not necessarily a fond one. Mm-hmm. It's not a fond experience. Okay. Um, also, because I don't like the franchise, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, my first multiplayer experience was Halo Two on Xbox. The original on the original Xbox Live. And see, I think I knew this already, which is why I mentioned that. Yeah. You have a head start. Yeah. And I just. <sighs> I didn't know much about it. Like, I, I did play the original Halo, but I didn't play multiplayer. I just played the campaign. And even then, thinking back to when I was, like, a kid playing that, playing Halo 1, I didn't like it back then. And I remember. Because I hopped in, and I played it for a little bit. And I remember being on the beach in the beginning. I don't know if you've ever played it. But I think there's, like, a beach level right in the beginning. And I was just like, yeah, I don't like this. And I turned it off. And I was like, no. No. But then, um, I had a friend back then who told me about, like... Xbox Live, that's how it happens. Like that. Yeah, and he was like, "Just pick up this game." And like, he told me how like how to set up my network and like do all these things. And I was like, "All right, I don't know what the fuck 
I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll try it, sure. And I hopped on, and I remember playing, and just constantly dying. I was like, I don't understand. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this is bad. I don't understand. What's going on? Did you on? think it was like a story thing? Yeah, like, and I didn't. The other was, enemies were all mine, and yeah, you didn't and know like, that. I didn't, I didn't get it, because I didn't have, like, I think there was voice chat back then, but, like, I didn't have, like, a mic or anything like gotcha. that. Gotcha. So it was just... That's my first experience. I remember uh, being bad, and I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. I and this little pleb sitting there, like, and I didn't know what I was doing. No, I know what you mean. So, that was mine. Okay, that's not bad. It's okay. And I don't think I played multiplayer game again until Halo Three on Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Wow. Okay. So let me tell you mine. Mine is a positive experience that I look back on, and I'm like, I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. So. Back when the PS3 first launched, I got it for Christmas. I actually got an Xbox original for Christmas one year, and I got Halo 2. And I played it. I didn't really quite enjoy it. I got Halo 2, Blinks the Cat, the Time Sweeper or whatever. Wow. And I think, like, The Simpsons Hit and Run or whatever. But mm. So I didn't play online on the Xbox original at all. I didn't understand. When I was a kid, people would talk about these games in the store at GameStop and be like, this game's good. I get it. And I'd get Halo 2 for Christmas or whatever. And not realize that the true potential was the online right. as well. You know what I mean? So, that being said, I eventually got my PS3. And I learned you can connect it to the internet. That being said as well, the PS3... <laughs> pain in the ass well, to connect to the internet. Number one, yeah, because it had to be... It, there was no wireless at the time. Everything right. was wired. So, the PS3, although it was the first console I've actually successfully connected to the internet, it wasn't my first online gaming experience. So... I would play WWE SmackDown vs. Raw Wow. on my PS3, and I'm pretty sure my cousins came over and they played it online, and I didn't know what they were doing. Then all these people were sending me friend requests on PSN, and I was like, okay, cool. This is I'm young at this point. Like, I'm not like really young, but I'm pretty young. This is like before 2007. Wow. So it was like SmackDown vs. Raw 06. <laughs> anyway, all these people were sending me friend requests, and I look and I see them, and they're playing this game called The Orange Box. Mm. And I was like, wow. that is a strange name for a video game. Fast forward a couple years, maybe a year later, I tell my parents that I want an Xbox 360 because that's what all my friends were playing on. Right. I get an Xbox 360 used from a from some guy, and it comes with Call of Duty 4, Guitar Hero 2, Guitar Hero 3, uh, Call of Duty... I don't even remember. It was just a bunch of games. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't like any of these games. And I didn't play them. You didn't play Call of Duty? Wait. What are you doing? So I go to the store, and what's the first game I buy for my Xbox 360? Don't say it's Halo. The Orange Box. Oh, that would make sense. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, this is what that game is. It looks pretty cool. So I pick it up, and I play it online. And I don't have a microphone or anything. I hook my Xbox 360 up to the internet, and I play it online. And wow, it was just fun. And You played TF2, I'm assuming, right? TF2. And it was fun, man. I, it was just... Hearing everyone talking to me... I couldn't say anything back, but if only they knew they were talking to, like, a kid with a squeaky-ass voice, you know what I mean? Like, they had no idea. But they would be like, get the intel, get the intel, they're down in the basement, and I'd have to, like, run down, you know what I mean? Eventually, I bought myself my mic, and then it was just... Then you like, that it was... That was get out of here, you squeaker. Yeah, that was the end of it. But then, a closer friend of mine saw my game collection on Xbox 360 when he was over one day, and he said... You have Call of Duty 4. I said, yeah. He's like, this game is like one of the best games out right now. And I was like, Call of Duty? What the fuck is that? Medal of Honor is the only war game I like play. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Because, see, I, I've been with Call of Duty since... 
original. To me, Medal of Honor was the definitive war, uh, war experience on the PlayStation 2 and whatnot. So that's where I, my grandfather, being a veteran, and a, he's actually a gamer as well, which we could talk about one day as well. That'd be fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll get him on the podcast. That'd be cool. But my grandfather played Medal of Honor, and that was the game he played. So mm-hmm. that's what I grew up with. So anyway, Call of Duty. They told me to play it. I said, okay. I played the story. I didn't get that it was an online game. Which, I had an excellent story, by the way. You could say it after this. Oh, you... I thought you said you had an excellent story. The Call no, of Duty had an I, excellent story. Yeah. yeah, Call of Duty was slick, Call of Duty 4. And I played it, and I was like, this is awesome. And then someone was like, did you even try the online? And I was like, this has online too? I thought Team Fortress 2 was like the only game that like <laughs> play online like that. I'm like, no, Call of Duty has it too. And that is where I have some of the fondest memories in video game history in my life. It's playing Call of Duty 4, and I'd go to school, and I'd talk about it, and some kid would be like, I have that game too. We played. Mm-hmm. And it was like these like kids that were kind of more popular than me, but we'd play Xbox Live together, and then we'd go to school, and I'd be like talking to them, and it'd be cool, because I kind of fit in a little bit more in school. Brett the Weeb. Yeah. But the reason I thought about it the other night is, it was really late, I was playing uh, PlayStation 4 with you, I was hungry, so I went downstairs and I made myself a cheese sandwich. Just cheese and bread. You do that often. That's what I do. And one time, I remember, or a lot of the times, when I'd be playing Call of Duty 4 with my friends on Xbox Live, I made myself a... Cheese sandwich. Cheese sandwich, and I ate it. While and I was that's playing, why you thought about it. And that's why. So, Call of Duty 4, Team and Fortress cheese 2, sandwiches. and cheese sandwiches. That's the topic of this podcast. Call of Duty 4 and cheese sandwiches. That's cool. No, that's... I wish my first experience was better because it kind of turned me off from it and I didn't mm-hmm. like think about doing it ever again because of just how bad my first experience was with it. But I don't even remember. Was Call of Duty 4 the first Call of Duty they had online? I don't know. I think on PC they it was maybe thriving online. I think Call of Duty 4 might have been the first console. No, I don't think so. I, don't I think they did have online. Because I played the stories of Call of Duty 2 and Call of Duty 3 and then I went back and played the original Call of Duty but I didn't uh, I never I ever played the big red one didn't play that one but I don't remember their, maybe I just didn't know maybe it did I, I think I they did remember. because you remember how with the one Call of Duty game if you pre-ordered it you got a code for the older Call of Duty and you could play it online with people I forget which Call of Duty it was 2 maybe if you if you bought the one Call of Duty Xbox Live they had a a version of the older Call of Duty game and you could play it online with people it was like a World War 2 one which is what they all were, right? Before, yeah. Yeah. All, up till COD 4. Mm-hmm. And then COD 5 was also World War 2. Yeah. World of War. Yeah. I think they did have online. They did. I'm sure. I, I because if you remember Battalion, the game we were looking up last night. Oh, yeah. They were talking about how they played Call of Duty, and it was the old old ones. True. So. I, don't, I don't remember. See, that's the thing. Like, we're, we grew up with all these different things in technology, but we weren't old enough to experience to the... To understand. Yeah. And the more mature games like Call of Duty, the older, like the World War II ones, back then we weren't interested really in that kind of stuff, right. you know, so. I don't even know what I, like, I remember for some reason I was really into, um, what the hell is that driving game called? Crazy Taxi. No. Midtown Madness. What the fuck is that? I don't know if you've ever heard of that game. I don't remember the point of the game or anything like that, but it was, I think it was set in Washington, D.C., right? And literally... All I did was just drive different vehicles in it. I don't remember if there was a story to it. I don't remember if there was a point to it. I just remember driving vehicles around, and specifically, I always drove a bus. I don't know why I remember that, but that's what I did. It was called Midtown Madness? I think so. 
right, we're gonna have to look that up. It was on the original Xbox. We're gonna have to look and this I up. remember playing that all the time. Literally hours of just stupidity in that game. Also, Fusion Frenzy was another big one that I was into. Mm. It was a co-op game. Were these online games? They eh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't play them, but I played Fusion Frenzy and also Gauntlet on Xbox, which we've talked about before. We have talked about Gauntlet. Interesting. So, drop my cat. But yeah, that's cool. I, I just thought it'd be so cool to talk about uh, the experiences with online gaming. Because yeah. online gaming is so big now, every single game has online. And yeah. back then it was, at least I think it was, rare for games to have online, mm-hmm. right? I, I would assume so. I would think. I don't. We were young. We were naive. We were, yeah. I also remember my first game I actually played on the Xbox 360 um, when I got it used. This is off topic, but the first game I got was, I went to Blockbuster. Like, I, I got the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I got to tell the whole story. Right. I got it. Go. Josh, Josh, I remember my first day, too, my first game. Josh, I was a magician back in the day. And I don't mean this figuratively. Like, I was literally a magician. I, I went to a birthday party for a family friend, and I did a magician show. Okay? And I got paid for it. How old were you? This is 2007. 2008, maybe. I got the Xbox. So I was how old? Seventh grade. I was in seventh grade. However old you are in the United States in seventh grade, that's how old I was. And I did a magic show for all these toddlers. And like, I had this bubble, you know uh, the things that you unscrew the cap and you dip the bubble on and you blow the bubbles? Well, there's this trick where it's a bubble thing, but it's fake. And the bottom's hollowed out. And the top is just a little, small little area where bubbles are. It's not like all the way down like you would imagine, it's, it's shorter. So you take this metal or this uh, see-through ball and you, it's like hard. You stick it up underneath in the hollowed out area and you hold the, the bubble bottle so it, it doesn't fall out. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is, Josh, you take the wand and you blow the bubbles and the bubbles, they start, you know, really going off or whatever. And what you do is you take this hand and you drop that ball in your hand and then you act like you're grabbing a bubble and then you show the crowd that the bubble turned into a hard ball. And you're like, look at this. And the bubble hardened and you can actually like pass it around. So I did tricks like that. Like I would drop the bubble and I'd, I'd grab the bubble and I'd be like, look, the bubbles. So you deceived small children into touching your balls. Yes. That's what I did. <laughs> and I also had this sack where you would put something in it. This is not, I'm, it's funny because you're talking about balls and sacks, but there was a sack and it was like the magic sack. And you, <laughs> listen, and inside of it, there was a flap in my, <laughs> this isn't a joke. This is real. <laughs> this is real life. Listen. There was a flap, and what you did was, Josh, it was really dark on the inside because it was black. Listen, stop. This isn't, I'm not trying to be funny anymore. I'm really just trying to tell you what happened. I'm sweating. Listen, Josh, we're getting off topic. we got to do this. The inside had a flap, and you put, you put the item that you're trying to make disappear on the one side, and you'd flip it over, and then you'd be like, look, nothing's in there anymore. It disappeared, and they would be like, oh, my God. And I did stuff like that. And I had this fake thumb you'd slide on, and when you squeezed it, it would light up red, mm. and you would do this thing where you'd like throw it up in the air, and the light would like go away, and you'd go, and the light would come back on, and stuff like that. Can I tell you something that you just reminded me of? I tell that is that is that the end of your story? No, not yet. Okay, you, know, you can go to finish. Okay, and then like you do the thing with the quarter, where it's like a quarter with a rubber band wrapped around it, and it's cracked in half. And yeah. what you do is you pretend you're biting it. Oh yeah, it. yeah. And then you you like you pull it under, and then you and then yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did a bunch of stuff like I went to a magic shop and I bought all these things and I did the show and I got paid for it. But while I was there, my dad called me and he said I had a cell phone because that was cool. And he called me and he said, Yo. This guy's selling an Xbox at work. Do you want me to buy it off him? And I was like, yeah, I want one now. Let's mm-hmm. go. And that's how I got all those used games. 
This is your 360, right? Yeah. So I, I took the 360 and I picked it up and then I went to my friend's house and the first thing we did was we went to Blockbuster and I rented Bioshock 1. And that is the end of my story. Bioshock 1 was the first Xbox 360. And you were a magician. And I was a magician and I played with balls and sacks. And flaps. And flaps. And dark holes. And dark holes. But it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, I wasn't, I never got paid for it. I wasn't cool like you. Mm-hmm. But It was I, one show, Josh. I remember, I was really into magic back then. Yeah, it was cool. And... There was this show called Breaking the Magician's Coat. Mm, yeah. I just want to mention real quick before you go, I think the reason we were so into it was because at the time, David Blaine and Chris Angel were, were, were very popular. Yeah. And also, I want to mention, Josh, that one of my first experiences with you and knowing you personally was through YouTube. I have a YouTube account called RKX Rules, which I still upload to. And I liked several videos that were parodies of David Blaine's street magic. Oh, my God. And God, you subscribed I to me remember. on YouTube, and you liked the videos that I also liked, and you shared them. And I was like, oh, Josh, I know you. You're friends with so-and-so, and then yeah. I, that's how I... So I want to mention that not only did I do magic, not only did I watch Chris Angel and David Blaine, but you and I met, kind of, through... I remember that. Magic, Josh. Ready? Balls and sacks. I'm going to take back right now. Okay. Zauza. Remember that? Yeah, that is a... Nice meme. Ah. Oh my god. Anyway. Oh yeah? Every time Josh says Zowza, we take a shot. <laughs> oh my god. Um, well, yeah, we're in college. So, sorry about this. Um, but, I, yeah, I wasn't cool. Like, I didn't get paid, but I remember I got a magic kit for Christmas one year, right? Mm-hmm. And I was playing with it, and there was like a DVD, and I watched the DVD like a million times, because I, I wanted to be really good at it, right? Yeah. And I like I couldn't figure out some things. Like, I didn't understand. There was directions. I didn't know how to do it. But it was like really basic stuff. There was like car tricks. It came with like a hat that had like this compartment so you could like pour milk mm-hmm. into it, and then like the, or like water or something. Didn't and expect then, that. And then the flap would go over. When you turned it over, like when you turned it over, the, like it would lock. So nothing would come out, mm. and then you there's like a button that you could hit. So then you could like take it, and put it back over, and show everyone, and then like the see, see, there's nothing, and then yeah. you hit the thing, and then you like pour it out. Mm. There's like that's that's nice. I never saw that. like stupid stuff like that. And then there's card tricks. There's like I remember this thing, right? That you put a card into, and then you'd close it, and then you'd open it, and it would disappear. And there's like a little like plastic flap inside that would just come down over the card. And I don't know. I remember those things. But anyway, why I'm saying this mm-hmm. is because. I remember I was really stupid, and I was this little stupid kid, and I put on a magic show for my family, like at like Thanksgiving or something. Mm-hmm. Or no, come I on, must, Josh, show us what you got, show us your tricks. Yeah, it must have been New Year's, but I remember I was really stupid, and I, like made like a sign, and I'm pretty sure it said, <laughs> "This is so stupid." I'm pretty sure it. I wrote on there, "Black Magic Show, have your mind blown and see wonders of the world by magician Josh Toll." Don't ask me how I remember. I wrote that on the paper, but I remember writing and it was so fucking stupid. Dude. All right, so this is what you and did. I taped it on the front door. No, you, this is what you did. You wrote it out, like our nice notes here. What you did was, you you guys watching, you're his family, and this is where you were, and you had it right here, and you taped it to the side of the desk right here. Pretty much. And you were like, I'm going to show you no, guys. I actually, I put it on the front door. I, we had the, there was like, it was at my grandparents' house, and we had this like glass like door or whatever, mm-hmm. and I taped it to the door. And I thought people were going to come watch me do this magic show. And I was stupid. It's like they didn't even ask you to do it. You just thought that they would want to see it. Yep. And I remember them sitting there through it nicely. And I had my little hat. had my little wand. had my little cape. I didn't go that hard. 
I, I was like one of those cool magicians that didn't look that like that. I was like you literally you were in seventh grade performing for toddlers. Yeah, but I looked cool. I looked like a normal guy who just knew how to do magic. I was wearing nice clothes. It was a birthday party, dude. It was a family family party. Yeah, that's cool. It was actually my uncle's sister's son. Not and my uncle isn't blood related to me, nor is okay. he my uncle anymore. Yes, Chili Phil. Chili Phil. Um, but she was also my art teacher at the time in seventh grade or eighth grade. Was so it? That's how she got hired. That's how you got hired. Yes, because okay. she was related to me. She was my teacher, and she knew I did magic in school. Because I, I also had an iPod Touch, and I jailbroke it. This is when iPod Touches were fresh. iPhones weren't even out yet. I don't think. And iPod no, Touch. The iPod Touch came out before the first yeah. iPhone. So I had that, and I jailbroke it so I could do cool shit on it because I saw YouTube videos of people doing cool shit. And that was the catalyst, I think, for the magic as well. And I, it had it was an application where it was milk on your screen, and you would tilt the iPod Touch, and the milk would disappear, and it looked like you were drinking it. And I did that in school. I was like, "Hey, I know we're not allowed to have phones, but I'm gonna show you a magic trick." And they'd be like, "So that's how that happened." This is really off topic now. So what were we talking about? Multiply. Yeah. So what you're gonna do is, if you make that a its own shit. You're just going to cut that all out and leave just the multiplayer discussion, but leave it in the podcast. No. I'm going to delete it. No one's going to know. We need to keep this. No this is important. I'm kidding. I just, I was such a little fucking cuck, dude. I look back on some of the things I did as a child, like, well, I, oh my God, I have to tell you the story. I think I told you before, but remember, this is its own topic now, childhood <laughs> stories, Yeah. one video. There was, I was home alone, okay, and I, I was not young anymore i think it was like my last year in middle school mm-hmm. okay so eighth grade mm-hmm. so i was not super young i knew better yeah and i was home alone and we had these sliding glass doors in the back of the house that we lived in right mm-hmm. I remember there's a stink bug on the glass mm-hmm. did i tell you the story no oh boy. okay you ready for this mm-hmm. there's a stink bug on the glass and so i saw it and i was sitting there and i was What's like a stink bug people don't know they're Native to wasp, but it's oh, yeah. know it's like it's like a beetle. Like, yeah, it's not a beetle, but it looks like a beetle yeah. kind of. And if you kill it, and if you kill it, it smells bad. Yeah, or if it gets scared, it like smells. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a, they're like infested in Pennsylvania. They're they're, and they come in in the winter. Yeah. So anyway, it was sitting there on the, the sliding glass door, like nice sliding glass doors, like all glass. And I saw it, and I was like, huh, you know, I should probably get rid of that stink bug. So, a normal human being would go get toilet paper, a paper towel, yeah. a paper plate, something to take and put outside. Something made of paper. It. Yeah. You know, something disposable. Okay. So, what I did, I had this pump action BB gun. Okay, you're okay. I already know what's going to This pump action BB gun that shot metal BBs. And this was a nice, high powered air rifle. Okay. So. Did you shoot your eye out? No. So, I wobbled in my room. Okay. Right. I got the BB gun out of its case. Red Rider BB gun. No. And it had like this little compartment on it, like this little hole that you put all the BBs into. It wasn't like a single one or anything, mm-hmm. but there's like a little hole and then it would just automatically load by itself. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I go out there and I pump it. Now you're, you're only supposed to, I remember the suggested was like two to five pumps, right? Which was not super powerful, but it was enough to like, you know, shoot it and like if you're like shooting at targets or something. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, like you're an idiot. You're saying you're an idiot is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I am. So I pumped it t- ten oh, times. You're an idiot. Ten times. Yeah. Okay. And when you got there, it was hard to pump. Oh yeah. You feel the was, resistance. It was filled with air. Yeah. Okay. And then 
I take it. I hold up the glass door right where the stink bug that is. That close? Like, literally, point blank. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, stink bug. You're done, kiddo. And I shot him. And the whole glass door shattered. Did he die? That's the most important thing. I have no idea. But I shot it, and it was like, it was slow at first. It was like, um, it was like, what, spider webbing? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? So you shot it again. <laughs> no, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I froze there for, like, probably ten minutes. Like, what do I do? What do I do? My mom's going to kill me. My mom's going to kill me. And then it all fucking crashed, dude. And I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And so then I, a million stink bugs came in your mouth. <laughs> so then I fucking, I took it, and I put all the glass in, like, a trash bag, and I took it all the way outside, and I, like, took the other trash kit, like, garbage bags out of the trash can. I put that in. I hit it, and I went in. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do with the fucking doors open to the backyard? What do I do? So then we had these big black trash bags, like, you know, like the the big industrial size trash bags. I took it, and I cut some in half, and I duct taped it to the door. I was like, what am I going to do, dude? How am I going to explain this? So my mom got home. Okay, she walks through the door, and from the front door to the like the back where the glass door is, like you can see it as soon as you walk in the door, like you open it and you just look and it's there. Yeah. And I was there was no hiding. And I was sitting in the living room, and she walked in. Yeah. And I remember my back was to her. I was watching TV over this way. And you were just chilling. And all I hear is, "Go to your room." I was like, "Oh shit!" But then I got up. I was like, "Mom, but I swear to God, we had cats." I was trying to say like the cat jumped into the door or something. It's like, but mom, we had cats. It was just, she was like, "Go to your room." I know it was your fucking BB gun. Go to your room. Oh Because I had just gotten it for Christmas. Oh okay. Josh. And she said not to play with it in the house, and I did. Josh she wasn't home. The fact that you loaded multiple BBs in it as well. I don't know if you caught that part, but why would you fucking do that? In case you I was missed. Ready to go. In case you missed. Not once until the glass actually shattered did I think, you know what? The glass is going to fucking shatter from this. Lesson learned. So, anyway. Speaking of Multiplayer games. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Speaking of shattering glass, multiplayer games. Yeah. Anyway. So, I was stupid. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I have no more stories to tell. Neither do I. Well, Maybe we'll I, do a segment. I can keep going. I know. Forever, but we'll do a segment where we talk about that stupid more. Stupid things that I've done as a child. Anyway. Our next topic. Something that I know we're both very excited for. A game that is going to be near and dear to us. Persona 5. Mm. Okay. Why do I bring up Persona 5? Why? I'm going to tell you. So, we know that Persona 5 is slated to release this year. Mm-hmm. And specifically summer in Japan, at least. Yeah. We don't, not, we're not sure exactly when the NA version is going to be released, but we're thinking, I know we've talked about it before, somewhere around there. Yeah. Probably not simultaneous release, but at least within a few months. However, we do know that uh, Atlas USA, the president, has stated, well, obviously he was wrong, but he did state that it would be out by the end of 2015. Right. And that didn't happen. No. But also, the Japanese version was supposed to come out the same time. So what I'm trying to say is perhaps they will have a release around the same time. Yeah. I, w- I would expect it close, at least. Um, but anyway, I bring this up because Persona 5 is now being advertised in Japan. Anime, which is a large like Japanese anime and game retailer or whatever, um, they announced via Twitter that since Persona 5 is slated to release soon, you know, summer 2016, they created an area in their store to promote Persona 5. 
And you might think, well, why is this a big deal? Because it's the first time since November 24th of 2013 when the game was announced. Mm-hmm. That was a long fucking time ago. Yeah. When the game was announced that a big retailer is actually advertising the game, which makes me think... No, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Yeah. That makes me think that it actually... like. A release date is coming soon or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because none of their advertisements say when it is, but it's soon, and I think we're going to get a release date soon, like an announcement at least soon. It reminded me of the pictures that were posted of the store. Right. reminded me of a place I used to work called FYE in America where you buy music and movies and whatnot yeah. and games, and the advertisements look like the stuff that they'd send you as promotional material. Right. Even like when you walk out of the store, they have those detectors mm-hmm. to detect if you're stealing something. And instead of just having the detectors, usually they have it's some like kind a of cardboard thing inside of them. Yeah, exactly. So it looks kind of nicer. Right. And even I think the persona thing, there was one of those. So yeah, I think you're right. So it's it may not seem like a huge deal, but it's the first time like a major advertiser has done this in a while. Yeah. And the, the, apparently this is like a huge fucking retailer in Japan, mm-hmm. and um, it's being advertised. Uh, obviously for PS3 and PS4. Yeah. And I, I want to say as well, Final Fantasy fifteen is coming out very soon. Well, at least it's it's supposed to come out very soon. Yeah. And they did that thing where they asked, like, I think they, I forget exactly the question they asked. Basically, they were saying, Persona 5 is coming out soon. We don't want to compete with Persona 5. Right. So the fact that even they're saying that makes me think, like, they also think the game's coming out very soon. The people who make Final Square Enix, people who make Final Fantasy Fifteen, mm-hmm. are also basically saying, like, listen, this game's coming out soon. Yeah. And if they're worried about that, and they have insiders, I'm sure, mm-hmm. they're trying to put up Final Fantasy Fifteen. Right. People that have been waiting decades. Yeah. And they're trying to put this game out, and they're like, Persona Five is going to come soon. We don't want to compete with it. When should we put this game out? We don't know. Yeah. Well, I think Persona is. Oh. Final Fantasy fifteen and Persona five are gonna have huge markets in Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Persona has a is gonna have a larger share in J- like if it's more popular than Final Fantasy in Japan, because in the West Final Fantasy is huge, superbly more yeah. popular. Persona is gaining steam and is definitely a lot more popular than it was. I would say even than two years ago when this game was announced, mm-hmm. but it definitely doesn't have as big of a foothold here as it does in Japan. I think that Persona four. Obviously, skyrocketed the, you know, skyrocketed the popularity of Persona in general, right. and it's been so many years now. And then Golden came out, right. and then Dancing All Night came out, and the Ultimax games and Arena and all that. I think that Persona is at the peak of its popularity in America right now, and Persona Five is going to outsell both Persona Four and Persona Three. Yeah, I think it's fucking going to yeah. smash it. And the fact that and this is big that the PS4 has such a large install base in North America mm-hmm. right and that Persona 5 is going to be released for PS4 it's a exclusive PlayStation thing it's going to be huge and I think because of the market <clears throat> share that PlayStation has as far as PS4 and consoles in the home and marketplace in the North America mm-hmm. that it's going to even drive Persona 5 sales up more yeah Especially and, if they advertise it right. Yeah, and Persona 5 is releasing on PS3, actually, too. Yeah. That's mainly because in Japan, a lot of people don't have PS4s. Right. PS4 is not doing as well over there. Yeah, so they still stick to their PS3s. So it might even sell pretty well on PS3 here, too. Oh, yeah, I can see that. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, also, more about Persona. I know, I mean, listen, I'm I'm itching for more stuff about Persona. I want it. There's really not bad. much. But no, there's really not a lot out there. But 
Um, Persona has this magazine that they release pretty much every year now. They did one last year. It came out in June, I think. And this year called Persona Magazine. I think... Uh, I'm, everyone's going to slam me, Persona fans, but I think... It's Persona Magazine, and then there's a number sign 2016. I don't know if they if it's like hashtag 2016 or what, because it's like a, it's a strictly Japanese magazine. Okay, so, so you're, I, it's just it's Persona Magazine. Is it number a year, sign 2016? Is it a yearly magazine or is it a? Well, kind of, because they had one for 2015, and then I don't think they had one in 2014. But then from like 2011 to 2013, they released like a few, like more than one a year. What is this? Yeah, so, it, well, the reason I bring it up is because there's a March issue coming out, being released on February 23rd, okay? So and that makes me think it's monthly, then. It's not. Hmm. It's just, it's coming out. It's a March issue, but it's just for the 2016, year. yeah. Okay. Um, it's being released on February 23rd, and it will feature another look at Persona 5, like an in, another in-depth look at the Persona 5. Okay. Now, unfortunately, it's only in Japanese, but if you're interested in it, you can pick it up on uh, Amazon Japan, Amazon's Japan page, and will be, again, coming out on February 23rd. I'm sure it'll get translated by someone. Yeah. Um, I meant to write the price down. I don't remember what it was. It was like 900-something yen. Mm-hmm. Which, That's $9? No. No? Mm, it's the dollars more. Oh. Um, it's probably going to be like... I thought you moved the decimal places too. For yen? I don't think so. It's probably going to be like... I really don't have the conversion. Well, 900... I think that'd be nine dollars, USD. I think, or not, or ninety. No, it's not no, ninety. No. I I maybe more around like fifteen dollars or something. Okay. I, I I really I don't know the conversion though. I meant to write it down, but I forgot. But anyway, it'll also include <clears throat> if you're hungry for more Persona stuff, um, a look back at Persona Three movie series, um, chapter one through chapter four. It's very popular. Yeah, it is. I. I did, didn't finish Persona 3 yet. I didn't finish Persona 3 yet either, and that's the reason why I don't want to watch the movies, because I, don't, yeah. I didn't finish the game. It's just Persona 3, I like it, and I'm decently far into it. It's just not as... It doesn't click with me as well as Persona 4 did. Yeah. I think that the problem is we started with Persona 4, and Persona 4 perfected a lot of things that Persona 3 did, right. so we don't want to go back. and It's like going back to the Dark Ages, or like, you know, caveman times, in some aspects. Um, of I the understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to also have uh, an in-depth examination of characters from Persona 3 um, and uh, from Persona 3 through the events of Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, which, by the way, if you didn't know, you're getting Persona 4 Arena Ultimax this month free on PlayStation Plus for PS3. That's true. Um, and then it also contains an interview with um, Kazushi Wada, who's Persona 4 Ultimax uh, producer, okay. um, and Rokuro Saito, who's Persona 4 Ultimax's manga writer. Okay. Ultimax is a great game. I didn't play the story because um, basically Ultimax is a sequel to Arena. It's Arena Ultimax, and mm-hmm. Arena is the, the first one. You can get the story from Persona 4 Arena in Ultimax. It's a DLC. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy Arena and Ultimax, which is kind of cool. Um, but it's $10. So $10 more for extra story. If you're getting it free with PlayStation Plus, do it. I had to pay $40 for Ultimax, so I don't really want to spend another $10 on a story. Just the fighting alone is good, though. The arcade mode is yeah. fun. So, But the story, it combines Persona 3 and Persona 4 into is one the universe. Is story supposed to be good? Yeah. Oh, I'd like to try it. It's apparently very good. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's why I bring it up, because I'm excited, I'm hungry for it. I want it now. I want it in and around my mouth. Okay. Well, Persona 4 is my, my favorite game. It's... Yeah, Persona 4 is one of my favorite games and of all time, too. I'm excited for Persona 5. Mm-hmm. I want Persona 4 to release on the PlayStation 4 as a PS2 classic. 
because they've been doing that. And they've been doing it to PS2 exclusives, Persona 4 was. Mm. They did the golden version of Persona 4 and on the Vita, and now I think it's time that they make the PS4 version. That would be nice. And they need to get the hype. Hold me over. Yeah, get the hype going. You know what I mean? Like, for Persona 5, Persona 3, if we got that too, I can, I'd play that more, honestly. And those PS2 games on PS4 come with trophies, right? Yes, they do. And you can play them on your Vita if you want Vita Remote Play. Because mm-hmm. I'm... I've been away from it for a while, and I'm working on the Platinum for Persona 4 mm-hmm. on Vita. I think I'm at like 60%. We were just looking at it last night. Mm-hmm. I'm on New Game Plus, so there's just there's a lot of like time-consuming trophies mm-hmm. that I need. Yeah, house-cleaning trophies you need to get. Yeah, and then I also need to beat... Uh, oh, what the hell is her name? The extra boss in New Margaret. Game Plus. Margaret, thank you. Persona 5. I want it now. Same here. Okay. Moving on to a new topic on the show that we'd like to begin. Brett and I both enjoy indie games. Indie games. Indie games. Indie games. Indie games. And we'd like to shed some more light on indie games because we think it's important and we think they spice up the gaming marketplace. Indie Intel is a new series we're starting here on Hapticast that will also release as its own separate video where we highlight indie games that are coming out soon or new games that have been announced that we think deserve some spotlight. This week we're going to be talking about Firewatch. Okay, okay. Firewatch is coming out soon. I'm going to put this video out before it comes out and then we'll probably do a review afterwards as well. Yeah. I'd like to, re- to review this game. So, yeah. um, so let me just... I'll give a synopsis of the story, and then you can hop in with some wounds. You got it. All right. So it's a mystery set in the Wyoming wilderness, and your only emotional lifeline is the other person on the other end of a handheld radio. Um, It's set in 1989, and you're a character named Henry. Okay. I want to point out, I wrote this down. Yeah. Henry is voiced by a guy named Rich Sommer. Uh, Some of you guys might know him as Harry Crane in the series Mad Men, which is very popular. Very popular yeah. show. I don't like Mad Men, but I know who he is. I'm not a fan of either, but yes, I know. <clears throat> and Henry um, has retreated from a messy life to work as a fire lookout. Okay, so you're stationed on top of a mountain, and it's your job to keep the wilderness safe. Mm-hmm. Your supervisor, who is the person on the other end of the radio, is named Delilah. And I have some information on Delilah as well. You might know Delilah as uh, Sissy Jones. She's a voice actress. She's not an actor or an actress. She's a voice actress. I guess it's debatable if you want to call her a regular action. She's not on screen. Yeah. She does the voices. Um, and she is also known as Katja from The Walking Dead, the video game Telltale. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny's wife. Yeah. And also, Joyce Price in the video game Life is Strange, which is interesting because both of those games are dialogue-driven choices, right, mm-hmm. games? And I'm going to get back into that once we're done with this description because there's a nice little bit of information I can give about that. Okay. Continue. Um... Yeah, so something strange draws you out of your lookout tower and into the world below. You'll explore a wild and unknown environment, facing questions and interpersonal choices that can build or destroy the only meaningful relationship you have. So it's first person, adventure game. Yeah. Uh, Very Mm dialogue-driven. And you're talking to Delilah. Mm -hmm. And that's your only person you can talk to. Right. Via walkie-talkie. I want to point out a couple of things. This game has a lot of inspirations. And one of the things you need to know is Campo Santo Studios. Right. Two of the people working on Firewatch were the creative leads for Telltale's The Walking Dead. I did not know that before this. There you go. And it's very important to know this because the dialogue system used is very heavily influenced by Telltale's The Walking Dead. 
which is great because that game is superb. Mm-hmm. It is. Also, it's kind of cool because Katja from The Walking Dead, the voice of her, is in this game as well. So they must have had you know contact with her still after they were done right. The Walking Dead and they brought her back for this. I mm-hmm. think that's really cool. Also, the walkie-talkie dialogue, you know, you're talking through a walkie-talkie, right. is inspired by your your relationship with Atlas in the game Bioshock, which is a very big game. Uh, yeah. So, to say the least. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit of a big game. Yeah. So the game is influenced by two great games, The Walking Dead and Bioshock. That's awesome. And this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is Campo Santo's first game. Yeah, so I, I have some more info about uh, Campo Santo as well. They're a small team, only 11 people on their website listed. So, And two of them are the guys from The Walking Dead. Right. Um, they're located in San Fran. And uh, here's a quote from them. We set out to make games about interesting people in fascinating places. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I mean, listen, the uh, the vibe I get from them, even just seeing the first game, or the first, like, gameplay of it, you can... It's kind of contradictory in a way, and it's hard to say sometimes, but... And how, how I'm trying to describe this, but you can just tell when you look at something, like a piece of art, or like you watch a show, or something, that you can tell it was crafted by people that care, mm-hmm. that people that are invested in what they're doing, and by people that want to, you know, tell their stories and you know, push forward things in an interesting way. I mean, Firewatch, from the first time I saw it, is beautiful. It's, it's a different looking yeah. game than we've seen before, and it's beautiful. The, you can always already tell that the voice acting is superb from the little bit that they had. Their relationship. And, yeah, voice and actors. I was immediately invested when watching that gameplay trailer, and then they showed a little bit that was like, well, what the fuck is that? And I, uh, I'm so interested in what the game is actually going to be about. Definitely. Because they've done a good job of keeping it under wraps, and we know that it's going to be relatively short as far as the narrative goes. But I think they've shown the light side to it, and they've given a little hint of what is to come. come. But I think it's going to be really dark, and I think the ending, I'm literally going to say this when it ends, and be like, what the fuck, dude? You think? That's what I think. The last thing I'm going to say is I'm going to beat the game. It's interesting. I'm excited to play it. I really, I think it looks beautiful. It reminds me of... uh, like, not the scenery so much, but, what was his name, Henry, the main character? Yeah. Just the way his hand looks, because you see, it's first person, obviously, right. so you see his hands. It reminds me of Team Fortress 2, the art style, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the yeah, heavy, right. the heavy weapons guy, his hands. Exactly. You know? So that's what it reminds me of, and I like that. I, I love that art style. I think the game looks beautiful. The lighting looks beautiful. I think the imagery and, and the logos, even, like, just are yeah. excellent looking. I like their website. I went on there, and, I mean, it's just a website. It doesn't really mm-hmm. affect the game at all, but I went on there, and... It's Henry standing on the cliff, right? And there's like the mountain range in the background. But when you scroll down, like it, the image like moves up. And okay. It was it was just nicely cool. put together. So I don't think this game's gonna have a hard time selling. No. The objective of this show, this this topic thing we're doing right now, indie Intel, is to bring, like you said, shed some light on these indie games. I don't think this game necessarily needs it, but I just want to stress even more that people need to play this game. Yeah. It comes out very soon. It comes out February 9th on PS4, PC, and Mac, I believe. Yeah. They said, recently, today actually, uh, Campo Santo, they said that if you wanted to come to the Xbox One, tell if them. there's an interest in it, yeah. Tell them. Tweet out. Mm-hmm. Let them know that you want to see this game on the Xbox One. Uh, you guys are going to be missing out. It's going to be like a Rocket League kind of situation where it's this right. indie game, you're sleeping on it, it comes out on these consoles, you don't get it. Yeah. You need to... Tell them. But apparently it doesn't need much to run on PC, so if that's... Yeah. Get it's, it on PC if you can. It was made in Unity. Right. Unity is a game development program that's used to make a yeah. lot of games. Unity Engine so, 4 is free right now. Yeah. I have it on my computer. I think Slender, the original Slender, the indie game that was a hit, 
was made in Unity, and that game could run on literally anything. You could yeah. run it on a toaster. It, yeah. was, it was bad. <laughs> so I'm not saying that this game yeah. is not going to be powerful or anything like that, but... Yeah. But I think this is a good game for our first segment of this, um, but I think it's going to do well. I think there's been, there's been some hype about it, yeah. some buzz, and I just... I don't know. When looking at this game and thinking about it and looking at everything that's there, I think it's going to be a special game, and I think people that say that indies are bad or they don't want to play indies maybe try this one out mm-hmm. Just i agree suck up your pride and try it and this one kind of sits on the edge of indie and triple a because although it is an indie game and it's a small team working on this game it has the spotlight of a triple a game it's right. getting more attention than a lot of indies right. do and it's not a side scroller or an isometric right. you know what i mean well i think and also um i mean it's coming out for pc too but sony has been pushing this game a lot they have <clears throat> and i think why they're doing it, that is because, let's look back, even though it wasn't an indie game, it was made by a smaller team of people um, until dawn. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't think that Sony actually knew how big that game was going no, to be. No, they didn't at all. Right? So they didn't really, they advertised it, but it wasn't advertised that much, and then it came out, and people loved it, and then it built, and built, and built, and built, and now it has a huge following. I mean, you could compare it, <clears throat> you could say that it's because of games like The Order, 1886, where it's these beautiful-looking games that are more story-driven than they are gameplay. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened was maybe Sony advertised the order. They did advertise the order a lot. Yeah. And I think maybe until dawn they were like, <sighs> they were afraid. Yeah. They were they were nervous and they missed out and that game could have sold so many more copies. Yeah. My opinion is, any game that is released on your platform, indie, AAA, middle tier, whatever, push it as hard as you can. Yeah. Okay. And even if it does bad, you know what? You try. There's so, there's so many games out there that people sleep on because they just consider it indie and it's garbage. But, I mean, we're kind of talking this game up before we play it. That's the point of the show, though. We're talking it up because we want people to try it. Yeah. It looks interesting from what we've seen. Right. And you know what? If we get it and it's bad and we don't like it, then we'll say it. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try it. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't encourage developers and small teams like this to continue making games. Yeah. Because <clears throat> look at Psionics yeah. with Rocket League. Psionics made several other games that were... I think there were franchises that weren't even, like, IPs that weren't even owned by them. Right. Like, uh, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. They took that universe of Soul Reaver and they made another game out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty popular game, but they're not known for that. Rocket League is a game that they made. Same with Super Acrobatic Robot mm-hmm. Battle Cars. They took that and they made Rocket League out of it. And it's what they're known for now. Right. And that is, this this company's, um, Campo Santo, this is their first game. They can start off right, right from here with this big hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, um, something that we noted in a previous video before, there's not going to be any DLC or anything to this game. No. That's something you got to add, too, because you got to bring the price into it and how long the game is. Ooh, that reminds me. You're right. About the price. Mm-hmm. It's $20, yeah. but if you pre-order it on Steam... Um, $17.99. Yeah. You get 10% off. And then also, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you get 10% off as well. Yeah. Which is good, because... That is making the game a little cheaper. It's appealing, and it'll appeal, appeal to more people since it's a lower price. Definitely. Which is good, and it'll get in the hands of more people. The game is short. Oh, yeah. Ish. But when it's all story like that, I don't really... And it's that cheap, too. I mean, if this was a $40, $50 game, like I'd be like, ah, I'm going to wait until it goes on sale. Yeah. <laughs> $17, $18 is a perfect price for a, a six-hour game to me, yeah. like especially one that looks this good. Right. Um, they said no DLC, which is good. They're not trying to make more money off of this experience. You're going to get the game. You're going to play it. You're going to beat it. No sequel? No sequel. They're telling the story in one game. 
which is good. At this time, anyway, there's no sequel. We can come back in a couple years and maybe they'll yeah. want to revisit. Or maybe they'll, um, well, they're saying there's no sequel, then I think they think that their story is done. Yeah. And I don't think they should try to milk it if they don't want I to. I don't think so either. Just create something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. hopefully they will for the money. I mean, they, get they say they, they set out to make games about interesting people in fascinating places, and that seems like exactly what this is. Yeah. And maybe they could do another game like that, yeah. you know, in a setting we haven't seen before. We haven't seen a game like this. Like, no. you're sitting in a fire tower. Who yeah. the hell would think of that? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what makes it so unique. Um, so they'll take a fascinating place and interesting people, and they'll put them in the, a game together again, you know? Go out, get this game, try it out, and look forward to our review. Indie Intel, episode one. All right. Okay, so moving on to how we're going to end each chapter cast. Unpopular opinion. Yeah. I don't have one this week, so I will let you go ahead. All right. So uh, I said in the beginning of the show, for those that aren't watching this, you know, if they're watching the full thing, I said in the, earlier in the show that I have an unpopular opinion, and it's not so much unpopular out in the real world, but in this setting, me and you, it's unpopular. Josh, I, I mentioned I'm playing Uncharted 1. I beat it. Yeah. Josh, I kind of liked Uncharted. I did. And I think... Here's the problem, Josh. Let me explain. Uncharted 1 was a shallow game. And I beat it, and I was like, this feels like a shovelware game that I went to GameStop or Blockbuster, and it was like a $20 game, and I bought it, and I played it, and it was this adventure game, and it was fast-paced and all this stuff happened and it was very gimmicky and this character goes missing and you have to find them and this character goes missing and you have to find them and the whole game is spent trying to find people and save people when your objective is right there and you're just avoiding it you know but then i think about it and uncharted 2 and uncharted 3 are still there i haven't touched them yet but i already get this vibe that they set up this perfect game series experience I just haven't scratched the surface yet. Or I have scratched the surface and now I'm going to go inside. You know what I mean? So basically what I'm saying is I think Uncharted is going to be good. So you're absolutely entitled to your own opinion. I'm not saying it's a, it's a popular series for a reason. People yeah. like it. And I think I should go back and play it again. Mm-hmm. I think I should beat the collection. An adult me hasn't played it. Yeah, I think I should give you the collection when I'm done it and you should play it. You should platinum them and oh, wow. get the game for what it's worth. I don't know about platinum though. I don't know if Uncharted One is popular. So my unpopular opinion being Uncharted One, or I'm not really sure. I don't know if Uncharted One was received well. I know Two was considered the best out of all. Yeah. Three by some. Two is what I hear is the best. Um, so I don't know if Uncharted One is received well or not. But it did a good job of setting up the, these characters and the relationship between these characters and who you are. And I think that it could turn into something great. I just have to play the other games. And I'm really... Just from playing... Just from playing one and seeing the trailers for four, I already know that this is going to be something good. In my mind. Well, four, like... Looks good. Like, I'm actually interested in four. Asterisk. Mm -hmm. Except for that whole fucking chase scene. Mm -hmm. Like, in the dry, like... The E3 demo? That's, like... Mm -hmm. And I get what the type of game is, and I understand that's what they're like. But it's shit like that that is just so overly in my face with Uncharted. And like, it just all the time, dude. I want it to focus more on the characters, and I want it to be written. But I don't want it to be like, oh, this person went missing. Let me go here. Oh, this one. Oh, yeah, and this. Oh, oh and here, and here. Oh, and I gotta go get this thing. And oh, mm, mm, suck yeah. my ass. Like, no, I don't want that anymore. You can write a fun game, movie, 
whatever about adventure like that, and it doesn't have to be bad. Mm. I, the thing that appeals to me as well on Uncharted Four is how dark it looks. It looks like a much more edgy game. Yeah. And just from the box art alone, anyway, you know what I mean? Like the dark colors they use, the purples, the blues, mm. you know, the cool, the cool color tones they used, um, already give me a sense of oh, this game looks pretty serious. It's the finale of the franchise, right. at least Nathan Drake's story. So Thief's End, which I hope. Mm. Well, I think Nathan Drake is going to be Deddy. Who knows? Yeah, but I like it because they show like the dialogue options and something different mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, which is what it needed because I felt like I was playing the same game with better graphics mm-hmm. every time. The way Uncharted One starts, it's like you're on this boat and like these pirates come and like oh they want they want you Nathan Drake because they're pirates and they're gonna kill you and yeah. Then you get in a boat, the plane, and you go and then you. Get, take the boat and you go to the place and the thing and you, you crash on an island and the whole thing takes place yeah, on this it's island. It's too convenient. The whole thing takes place on this one island. But guess what? Then there's also these spoopy monsters on there and they look like they're straight out of... Compton. Compton. And they look like... Another thing is, this game's rated T for teen. Yeah. And I feel like this game could have been so much better if they took all the ch- fun things that they thought were fun they're just... Like childish gameplay? Yeah. Like childish lines? There's childish lines. And, like, one time Nathan Drake will be like, oh, shit. And I'll be like, oh, like, I don't even think about it. But then he's like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. And I'm like, why would you say that? Like, you're a grown-ass man. Like, yeah. you just said shit about five minutes ago. But you're trying to, like, meet this quota where you can't say shit too many times because the game will be rated M. You know what I mean? Yeah. Takes me out. Um, and the monsters, they would be so much cooler if they were, like, spoopy looking. Like, if they were the monsters from Until Dawn. But they looked, like, wow. they looked stupid. I was like, these don't look good. You also have to remember when the game came out. Yeah, but they remastered it, and they still don't look good. It looks poopy. Poopy doopy. See, I'm, I'm doing the Nathan Dre thing. It looks like poopy, all right? It looks bad. I mean, it looks like shit. No. But, no, no. I'm it it looks poopy, 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 poopy. Crap, crap. All right? I just think that oh. there's a lot of things about Uncharted 1 that I would change. Maybe I'll change my mind about that once I play 2 and 3, and I'll be like, that was perfect. They set this up perfectly. Who knows? I, it's a little too early for me to say. I just wanted to bring up, because we needed an unpopular opinion, that I liked Uncharted 1, but there were things that I didn't like about it. And I liked it a lot less than the majority or the normal people that played the game. I enjoyed it a lot less than them, but I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than you. Yes, you did. And I can say that. Yes. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Okay. Good for you. So I like it. More than you, but not as much as everyone else, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, maybe it'll change once you maybe play two and three. If you have an unpopular opinion, leave it in the comments below, or send it to us at haptigintel at gmail.com, and it might end up right here on the show. And we'll read yours. Okay. And we don't have to have none. We can have nice, good ones we can talk yeah. about. Just include your name, where you're from, and some information about it. Okay, that'll do it for us for Hapticast episode six. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. LCS. Share it with your friends, and make sure tonight when you go to bed that you tickle your testicles. I'm Joshua. Brett Roberts. We'll see you next time.